0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. uh, Sometime this week, is going to sit around a table with some members of your family and eat a meal, and before you eat that meal, you... Uh, going to say grace, you are going to give thanks, you are going to pray a blessing. Come on, just hands up. It's kind of a no-brainer in church, you know, at some point, you know, you're probably going to give thanks uh, for the food. Probably most of us are going to pray something uh, like this, Father, thank you for this food in front of us. Would you bless it to our bodies and would you bless the hands that prepared it? You know, words might be a a little bit different, but who's going to pray something like that prayer of blessing come on in the next week? Have you ever thought that might be the most faith-filled prayer that you pray all week? If you're sitting down, you know, to a plate with a family-sized pizza, some potato chips on the side as your token vegetable and you wash it down with a Coke and a chocolate cheesecake chaser and you're asking God to bless that food to your body. That's a faith-filled prayer. I mean, he said, you know, when you pray with faith, you know, mountains will move. If you're sitting down to that on your plate every night, you're going to have a mountain to move under your T-shirt. As a faith-filled prayer, we should give thanks for whatever is on our plate, whatever food that we're going to receive. But it's a pretty big prayer to ask that that kind of junk would get blessed to our bodies. You see, God, God actually wants to bless our bodies. He is a God of extravagant blessing. He wants to bless our bodies, and He's actually given us food to put in our bodies that will be a blessing Uh, to our bodies. But if we want our bodies to be blessed, we've got to choose to put those wise foods, those right foods into our bodies so that our bodies get blessed. You see, God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless your family. But He's also given us wisdom. Wisdom and, and ways to walk in so that we can know his blessings. He wants to bless your family of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to pour out those kind of blessings in your family. Your family is known by those things. Your family experiences those things. But, but there is wisdom we need to put into practice to know those blessings in our family. This is what I want us to remember this, this morning is that God's blessings flow in your family when you follow his wisdom. God's blessings flow in your family when you follow his wisdom. I don't know what kind of blessing you need around your family table uh, right now, but we're all in a state or a stage where we need the blessing of God. You know, some of us, you know, at a a time around our table where it's just messy, your, your prayer is that food will get from the plate into young children's mouth without going via the floor. And your family table is just messy right now. As parents with young kids, you need God bless you with patience and perseverance, you know, to get through the mess and to get out the other side. There's others of you, kids might be a little bit older and you need, you know, God to bless you with faith and courage because your family table is like a roller coaster. You kind of, one minute, it's all, you know, laughter and fun. And in an instant, it's tears and tantrums. And you just never know which one it's going to be. Family life is like a roller coaster. And you need God to bless you with faith and courage to hang on uh, for the ride. There's others of you here, maybe with kids in high school. And the family table is actually like a battlefield, You're just hoping and praying that the kids will turn up to your table with a good attitude without killing each other on the way to the table. And you need God to bless you with divine wisdom and extravagant grace to navigate the challenges of the battlefield. And there's others of us that the family table actually feels a little bit like a waiting room at the moment. There were people who used to sit at the table who've left for one reason or another, and it's painful. It's painful sitting around your table, and you really need God to bless you with comfort and with peace and with fresh hope for the future. Come on, who who here can identify with kind of one of those stages of the family table in, in some way? Yeah, most, most of us. All in different stages and states. This is a little bit what our family dining room looks like uh, right now. This is have got a photo. That's our, uh, that's our kitchen. And uh, that's, uh, keep going, uh, that's where our dining table normally sits. Uh, this is all we've got left of a kitchen. We have a fridge uh, to put food in. And somewhere our family table is under there. All right, our whole house is currently out. So we're in the midst of renovations. And it's a mess. And, and it's painful. And Some of you have lived through it before. But there are people with skills, with wisdom, with expertise who, who are coming and are actually putting things back together slowly. I'd like it to happen a little bit faster. And we're going to get a better future. But right now, it's painful. And I say all of us. In some ways in our families, we're in a constant state of renovation. There's things that aren't quite right. There's things that are a little bit messy, things that are a little bit painful. And I'm hoping this morning that as we unpack some of God's wisdom for for our families, that we'll actually have fresh hope that wherever state we're in, whatever mess we're in, whatever, whatever kind of roller coaster we're on, whatever battlefield we're walking through, how, however lonely it might feel right now, that God's wisdom will give us fresh hope for a better future. I don't want anyone walking out of here going, I've oh, stuffed this all up. I haven't followed God's wisdom in the past and I'm in a mess and there's no hope for the future. There's not God's heart. I, I want you to pick up on God's wisdom this morning because as we follow God's wisdom, God's blessing flows into our family, but I pray that today God gives you hope. We're in a series called Finding the Good Life, and we're looking at this, you know, 80-year-long study from Harvard that says, you know, that success and happiness in life does not come through money, it doesn't come through education, it doesn't come through, you know, the degrees of of pleasure and leisure uh, that we have, It, it comes through relationships, And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's obvious because Jesus says, what's the most important thing in life? Love God with all your heart and uh, love others in in the same way. He knew relationship with God and relationship with one another was the most important thing in in life. But Jesus doesn't say a whole lot about the family sitting around the table. He he does say that we're to be known by our love, that we're to love each other in, in such a way that uh, people will know that we're followers of Jesus. But then when the writers to the early church are trying to work out how to love each other in all situations, including the family table, they give some very clear instructions and some godly wisdom to help God's blessings flow into our family. I'm gonna read just four short, sharp pieces of wisdom to every member around the table today. And then I'm going to unpack it a little bit from other places in Scripture. Some of it is going to be a little bit triggering. Can, can I ask you today, don't tar and feather me in the next 15 minutes. Wait till I get to the end. All this right, is just see, get the whole picture before you get upset with me. Then at the end, if you're still upset and you want to send an email, samjackson at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Colossians chapter 3. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let me just do verse by verse. Firstly, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Can everyone say, submitting is fitting? Come on, just make light of it a little bit before we get into the heavy stuff. Let me just uh, unpack that a little bit more. I'm going to go back to a passage that we read in 1 Peter Little while ago, it's a couple of verses. It says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. Just so that you know that Paul is right in Colossians, not out there on his own planet. Peter says exactly the same thing. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, rather, it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Say, unbelieving husbands will actually become to, to believe the word of God by the behavior of their wives. What behavior? Submission and haircuts. Let me just push submission down the road just a little bit and deal with haircuts, which is equally fraught with danger. But uh, I've uh, I fell in love with my wife Susan when she was 13. When I was 13 years old, and she was standing on stage in a girls' brigade choir, and it's the 80s. She had this hairdo that was all. Hairsprayed up, these big bangs at the front of her hair, hairsprayed up high, and I just looked at that hairstyle and I thought, that's the woman of my dreams. I uh, I I want to marry her. Took a little bit of convincing, and then over the next few years, we went through what I would call the Amy Grant years. Do we have any Amy Grant fans in the room? Just a, okay. My wife was a big Amy Grant fan. Okay. I reckon she used to walk into the hairdressers with the latest Amy Grant album and just say, can you give me that do? Let me just have a look. This is my In My Father's Eyes years. Next one is uh, Baby Baby. She gets the perm. Even at Christmas time, she got into the Christmas album. And then Unguarded, she, uh, and then, yeah, my hairstyle wasn't too much better. We'll get rid of that. <laughs> Might have been the mullet years as well. My, uh, I've always loved my wife's extravagant hairstyles, except for one day I came home and she is sitting at our table and she has got this big baggy hat over her head. And I said, what's wrong? She says, I don't want to talk to you. You just stay here, mind the kids. I've got to get to the hairdressers. It was when we didn't have much money. We we're just starting out in ministry and she decided to bleach her hair herself. I said, just give me one look before you go. And she, she took the hat off, and she fair him look like a sulphur-crested cockatoo. And she put... She put the hat back on, raced out the door, said, I've got to get the hairdresser to fix it. I don't care how much it costs. And she's hoping no one will see it. She's got dark sunnies on everything, walks into the hairdresser. And uh, next person to walk in the door is the wife of the chairman of our board of elders uh, of our church. She's sitting there in the corner with the new idea up over her head like this, desperately needing to get her hair fixed. the only time. I didn't like my wife's hair. Has any husbands here ever come home and not noticed your wife's new haircut? Hands up. Okay, I'm just, let, I'm just letting you know, Peter says it's okay. It's holy. You're not supposed to notice extravagant hairstyles. What you're supposed to notice is a gentle and quiet spirit. A reverence for God. And Susan gave me permission to, uh, to pick on her hairstyles this morning. In fact, we wrote this message together as we're preaching on families uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were saying the same things. I have always loved my hair. But Susan, it's true, has always loved Amy Grant for years she would sit and just listen to worship music. She'd write it out word by word. She'd get chapters of Scripture and just just write it out word for word and send it to me. And I wasn't remotely interested. You know, at 19 years of age, I was an immature mess. I, I couldn't, you know, I kind of had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And Susan just kept praying for me. She just kept, you know, hanging out with Jesus and letting him transform her heart. We weren't married at the time, but this scripture here has been true in my life. That gentle and quiet spirit, that reverence and worship of God that transformed Susan's heart, helped me to see what God is like. It helped me at 19 surrender my life. To Jesus Christ. Can I just encourage all the the wives and mums in the room? There is no greater gift that you can give to your kids. There is no greater gift that you can give to your husband than to sit at the feet of Jesus and to let Him transform your heart. A gentle and quiet spirit. It might be the only Bible your kids will open. It might be the only Bible your husband will believe. I want to encourage you today. More important than extravagant hairstyles, elaborate clothing, and fine jewelry is to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow Him to transform your heart. It then goes on to say, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. This wasn't new. You need to understand the cultural context of this. This is a patriarchal culture. This is a culture where men had all the rights and women had none. Men pretty much owned their wives as property and could do what they wanted with them. It was normal. All wives submitted to their husbands. But what was happening was These women, who many had been downtrodden for years, were finding that they'd put their faith in Jesus Christ, they'd heard the message of the gospel, and they found this new strength. They found their new identity and a new freedom in Christ. There was this strength and power within them that they'd never experienced before. And the temptation was to use this new strength, this new freedom, this new identity to tell their husbands to go jam it, Jack. I'm not putting up with this anymore. It's in the Greek. You can look it up. And Paul and Peter say to these women in all different communities, do not use your strength and freedom to shun your husband's, but choose to submit to your husbands. There's something bigger at play here. Now, let me just unpack this a little bit further. Jesus' teaching around the value of women and children has transformed our Western society from what it was like in the Roman Empire. His teaching, more than any other teachings of the last 2,000 years, has increased you know the value and it's changed the rights of women and children in our culture. And so I want to say really, really clearly here today. If you're in a relationship where your physical safety is at risk or your emotional well-being is, is constantly under threat, do not stay. Let me make it really clear. Get out. And get help. We have a great counselling centre here. We'd love to help you. Get out and get help. And if you're a husband that is treating your, your wife in the way that I've just described, get out and get help. There's no place for it in the church. It's not what Peter and Paul are both saying when they say, wives, submit to your husbands. But what they are saying is wives... Look for ways to please your husband. Look for ways to serve your husband. Don't tar and feather me yet, but choose to put their needs before your own. Choose to love them the way that Jesus loves you. Wives, submit yourselves. Your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord, because it's the way that Jesus loves you. Let me quickly move to husbands before I get in any trouble. It says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I was 20 years old when I uh, proposed to Susan, and she did uh, eventually say yes. At the time, I was working on building sites as a labourer and I was sitting around the lunch table at lunch and I knew how the men around that table would react if I had told them that I'd gotten engaged the day before. And so, Monday morning, I didn't tell them, got to lunchtime and I was working for my dad at the time and he turned up on the site where I was working and he said to everyone around, 15 blokes around the uh, lunchroom, said, have you told them the news? And I said, no, I haven't. And they all said, what's the news? And I said, I got engaged yesterday. First words that came out of their mouth, you bleeping idiot. You've wrecked your life. Then they went on to give me the advice of make sure you let her know real quick, you wear the pants in the family. They taught me how to put my missus in her place. And the final bit of advice was never go straight home from work, always go via the pub. It'll make it more bearable when you get home. Now there's a few little snickers, and some of you think that's a little bit exaggerated, That's almost word for word. Many of you have lived in that culture and you've heard that kind of advice. Now, I'd say things are getting better than they were 30 years ago. But I'd say in Aussie culture, that still simmers under the surface, that kind of attitude about marriage. And if there's a word you could use to describe it, I, I think it's the same word that Paul uses to the, in the Roman Empire, harsh. Do, do not be harsh with your wife. Love your wife and do not be harsh. That word love, it is actually, uh, there's three words you know, in, in the Greek that get translated love. There's philia, which is this you know, brotherly, sisterly, com- companionship uh, kind of love. Eros, which is sexual love between a husband and a wife. But that's neither of those words are the words that are used here in Colossians 3. When it says husbands, love your wives, it's the word agape. It's the word to describe the love that God has for people a self-sacrificing kind of love, a putting the other's needs first kind of love. It's a top of the tree kind of love. It's an out of this world kind of love. It's put the other person's needs first and sacrifice for the other person kind of love. Love your wife as Jesus loved the church. What it says actually when Paul says it in uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, he actually says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. Now that is new news. That was not normal in that culture. Husbands would never dreamt of submitting to their wives, of putting their wives' needs first, of of loving their wives in a self-sacrificing way. This was a male-dominated culture. That Paul is saying something brand new. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, this is where the blessing flows in our families. When two people choose to try and outdo one another in serving the other's needs when two people choose to look for ways to bless the other when two people sacrifice you know their own wants for the good of the other marriage is blessed the family is blessed marriage can be like heaven on earth but when two people Actually keep score of who needs to bless the other when two people keep a record of wrongs. Some of you know this, marriage is hell on earth. God's blessings flow into our families when we follow God's wisdom. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I love your wives as Christ loved the church. I've done lots of weddings. I don't do it too many anymore, but every single wedding I've done, I get the husband to look at his new bride and say, I want you to take a good look at her today. God loves her extravagantly. And God has given you the privilege of loving her for the rest of your life. Love her in the same way. Love her extravagantly. Choose to put her needs before Your own. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never be harsh with them. Be extravagant. Be extravagant with your words. Let me make this really practical. Husbands, some of you need to go home and write a love letter to your wife that you haven't done for a long time. Be extravagant with your words. Be extravagant with your time. Look at your calendar. Look at all the work and hobbies and other things that fill it up. And look at it and go, Am I being extravagant with my time with my wife? Am I taking her to places that she loves going where we can connect deeply together? Be extravagant with your affection. Choose to hold her without expecting sex. Apparently, they like that. I'm told. Be extravagant in the way that you love. Let me just talk about sex for a minute, because Peter does. He says, husbands, I want to I go everywhere that can get me in trouble today, okay? Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder Your prayers. Likewise, be considerate as you live with your wives. I believe, and many other commentators uh, agree with me. This is talking about sex. This phrase in the Greek, "as you live with," it's as you are intimate with, as you lie with your wife. Husbands, as you lie with your with your wives, be considerate. Once again. This was not normal in this culture. Husbands could demand sex whenever they wanted. They would dominate their wives physically. I, I, want, I reckon some women here have grappled with this verse in the past and wondered, what does it mean? I do not believe Peter, or the Holy Spirit who led Peter to write this, as saying that women are weaker intellectually, spiritually, relationally or emotionally because he goes on to say you are co-heirs with Christ. you've actually received every spiritual blessing in the same way in Christ you are co-heirs. He's actually saying and it makes more sense when you understand you know the context of as you lie with your life be considerate as you lie with your wife and I know this can even this can get me tart and feathered today, but it's because she's weaker physically. And physically, you could dominate her, but that's not to happen in the church. It happens in the culture, but it's not to happen in the church. You'll be be considerate and loving in the bedroom and every other area of your lives. I think it's really easy for the sexual immorality of our culture to creep into our marriages and whenever it does, it ruins the intimacy that God's got for us. Can I say to husbands today, flee from sexual immorality. Don't let porn creep in. You don't, don't let the, the, the crude jokes and the, you know, the video getting passed around at lunchtime creep in. Don't let it into your marriage. Be considerate. Your wives. Love them as Christ loved the church. Let me move on to children. I'm gonna probably get into less trouble here. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. If you go into Ephesians 6, similar kind of teaching, he, he actually says, Children, honor and obey your parents. This this dual thing of honor and, and, and obey. I, I'm really glad I obeyed my parents when they said, uh, we're going to church every Sunday and you're going to youth group every Friday. There were times I wanted to fight that. I wanted to argue with that growing up, but I'm really glad that I obeyed in hindsight because I've been blessed because of it. I am really sorry that I disobeyed my dad when he said, don't drive my four-wheel drive near the Pacific Ocean. Digging that thing out was a debacle. It's good to obey your parents. It's, in fact, it's the, it's the first command in the Ten Commandments that's got a blessing attached to it. If you actually you know, obey uh, your parents, you'll live a long and a prosperous life. You will be blessed. In fact, let me just rewind just two minutes. I forgot to say there is a blessing to husbands as you love your wives extravagantly. It says if you do it, nothing will hinder your prayers. How much does God love your wife? If you treat her harshly, he won't listen to your prayers. If you love her as he loves her, he'll listen to your prayers. Sorry, I forgot that bit. I digress. Back to children. Children, obey your parents. Now, most of the children that uh, are at that age where they just need to obey everything their parents said are upstairs right now. And how awesome was it to see how many kids walked out those doors? God is doing something good in this church family. Come on, why don't you just put your hands together and say thank you, God, for all he's doing up there. Can I, can I just talk to, to parents? The, the command is for children to, to obey their parents. Let's give them something to obey. Let, let's teach them. It actually says in Ephesians uh, 6, you know, to, to bring them up in the training and the instruction, you know, of the Lord. We've got great kids and youth ministries that we run here and we run in every campus at Gateway. It's one of the things we put a lot of energy and effort into. Can I just say to parents, do not relegate the discipleship of your children to other people. We want to help. We want to support. But as parents, you are the primary disciples of your children. I know that leading family devotions around the table can be difficult. I remember when all my kids were in the battlefield years and I'd be trying to lead a devotion about the love of Jesus and I'd be 43 minutes in and up to my 15th point and I would have confiscated every piece of electronic equipment that my children owned because they weren't listening to me. And right on top of the pile would be Susan's iPhone because she started to roll her eyes because I would not. Stop. Leading family devotions isn't easy. We want to make it as easy as possible for you at Gateway. Every week there's cards that your kids can bring home. You can download them online just to start spiritual conversations around the table. Give your kids God's Word to obey because when they obey it, that's when God's blessings flow. God's blessings flow into our families when we follow His wisdom, when we submit to His will, and when we ask for his favour. Now, for some of us, to honour our parents is simply to obey them. Some of us have got a little bit older and know how to put our hat on the right way now. If you don't, come and see me later and I can help you with that. But for some of us, we're at an age where to honour our parents is actually to listen to them like we're going to do on Grandparents' Day as we're starting to raise our own children, because they've learnt some things. They've learnt some wisdom. They've learnt from their mistakes. And for some of us to honour our parents is actually to care for them in their latter years of life when they're struggling to care for themselves. It's a sign. How, How we treat the youngest and the oldest in our community is a sign of the godliness in our community. God's blessings flow when we follow his wisdom when we submit to his will and when we ask his favour. Honour and obey your parents. Lastly, it says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll get discouraged. And I tell you, our kids right now, they need courage. More than ever, kids in this culture, they need the courage that Jesus brings. They need the courage to to stand firm in in the Word of God. Fathers, mothers, we've got a really important role to play. Do not embitter our children. Paul says it differently in Ephesians. He says, do not exasperate your children. I'd probably say, alongside loving my wife as Christ loved the church, not exasperating my children are the two hardest commands to follow in the whole Bible. I love to exasperate my children. God says, don't do it. Don't don't embitter them. We we embitter and exasperate our our kids when we don't practice what we preach, when we're not consistent in our behaviour and our discipline, when, when we don't love our spouse the way that Christ loves us, when we prioritise work over family. We exasperate and we embitter Our children, and more than ever, we need our kids growing up that there is knowing there's a Father in heaven who loves them and will never ever give up on them, and that gives them courage to stand firm today. When our kids were really little, we do two simple things. I I would pray over the kids a simple prayer that I prayed almost the same every night. I just go into their bed, I put my hand on their head, and I just say, Father. Would Joey, Bronte, Caitlin, Jess know every day of their lives that you're a God who loves them, has extravagant grace for them, sent your son to die for them? God, would they wake up in the morning knowing that you love them and you'll never stop loving them? May that be the thing that marks their lives and they know every day of their lives. I pray that simple prayer, not rocket science, every night, night after night. Susan would go in and she would sing that old song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible Tells Me So. I remember the first time Susan was away somewhere and the kids said, Dad, we need you to sing the song. And I started singing and they laughed so hard they wet their beds, it wasn't helpful. you got to know your role, all right? Find your way. Just find your way to speak the love and extravagant grace of God over your kids and do it regularly because they need courage. They need courage. None of us will ever get this right all the time. We all make mistakes. We're all in a state of, of renovation. In fact, in the battlefield years, sitting in our dining room, stuck on the wall for about six years was this verse in Colossians. that says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bear with one another because we're going to make mistakes. Persevere. Choose to keep loving one another. Choose to keep forgiving one another, even when it doesn't seem fair. Choose to love, even when you're not feeling it. Choose. To love, because love binds us together in unity and God's blessing flows in our family. God's blessing flows in our family when we follow His wisdom, when we submit to His will, even when we don't feel like it, and when we ask for His favour. There was a, a prayer that got prayed around every family table in Israel for hundreds of years, and I'm sure it's still being prayed today. Every Friday night, as they prepared for their Sabbath. A the father at the end of the week would put his hands on every member of the family and pray this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May the Lord turn his face Toward you and give you peace. I got some of that all mixed up then, but it's on the screen and you can read it for yourself. These were ordinary families families that had argued over the remote, trying to work out how to pay the bills, families that had got on one another's nerves, families that had argued together. But every Friday night there was a reset button and they'd be reminded. That there was a God in heaven who wanted to bless them. There was a God in heaven that was extravagantly gracious towards them. There was a God in heaven that could give them peace. And they asked for God's favour. And we want to do that today. I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. state of renovation we all need God to bless our families with something some of us here today are crying out for healing in your family, some of you need fresh hope for the future as I put into practice God's wisdom, as I choose to submit to His will and ask for His favour that God can actually build a better future He can build a better future whatever state or stage you're in right now What I'd like to do as we finish is just take a bit of time to pray a blessing and to sing a blessing over your family. If you're here today, you might be here on your own. Your family are elsewhere or you're in that waiting room right now and it's a little lonely. We'd love to pray a blessing over your family, whatever role you play as brother and sister, aunt, and uncle, whatever your family looks like. Into the future if you're thinking all that stuff I spoke about marriage you know before it's not really for me because I'm single can can I encourage you just to pick one thing up if you ever are looking for a spouse look for someone who has submitted their life to Christ the way that you have and look for someone who lives and loves in a a way that you'd like to submit your life to them because that's how you'll be blessed if you're single here today we'd love to pray a blessing over your family if you're here as a couple or as a whole family We'd love to pray a blessing uh, over your family. The team are going to sing this ancient blessing from Numbers chapter six that I got wrong before. They're going to sing it over you, right? And uh, I'm going to pray it uh, over us. Our prayer team is going to come and gather around you and just pray a blessing over you. Come on, don't don't. They're going to start singing, but don't wait for them to sing. Just you just want to put in practice some wisdom today. You want God. You want to ask for His favour, ask for His blessing. Just, just come to the front now. Come on, whatever state or stage of your family you're in, just, just begin to walk to the front. And say, God, would you bless my family? Come on, don't wait. No one's eyes need to be closed. You know. Wait for a moment, just come. Just come as we hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.